Uh, good morning, everyone. My name is Chris, and I'm one of the pastors here at Verizon. It's great to have each of you in worship with us today. Uh, again, happy Mother's Day to all uh, the mothers in the crowd, for all the women of faith that have continued to, to nurture um, each of us in this room. And I'm thankful um, to have those folks in my life. We've got a, a, a lot of things happening over the next few weeks, and so I just want to, again, remind you about um, next Sunday, we're going to be celebrating uh, uh, infant baptisms, and so we're going to be baptizing young children and, and babies next Sunday. It's, it'll be a beautiful day as families commit uh, to raising their, their kids in the faith and in the church, and we as the church collectively will promise to be a part of that nurturing as well. And then the following Sunday, uh, that Memorial Day weekend Sunday, uh, we won't be in this space, so if you show up here, You'll be, you'll actually be, there's something else going on in this room, so I'm not even really sure what's going on, but you will crash some other party, and it will not look like this, and there might not be as many familiar faces. Uh, we'll be at Picnic Island at, at 10 a.m. Uh, we'll be celebrating some uh, adult baptisms. Some of our, our uh, older kids uh, will be baptized uh, in, the, in, the, in the beach there at uh, Picnic Island. We'll have uh, food and lunch, uh, an inflatable uh, bounce house deal. We'll be celebrating um, the conclusion of this series, which has been uh, Yimby, which is Yes in My Backyard, um, and, and the, the subtitle is Being the Church. And so we'll actually be being the church that Sunday, uh, breaking the walls free from this hour and these walls of physically having to be here and to be the church in the community, celebrating what God is doing in, in the lives of individuals, but also celebrating what that then how is that impacting and change in the world. So we're excited about that. So make sure uh, May 28th, put that on your calendar, that we'll be at Picnic Island that Sunday, and we look forward to celebrating with you. Well, um, and so we're going to uh, jump in today, and I am reminded of a, a seminary professor I had, and he, he was a, a retired bishop. He had served as a bishop, which is kind of like a fancy church word for, uh, he's like a pastor over like a region or an area, um, and he'd been a bishop in uh, Mississippi, and he had told a story about how when he would go visit churches within his like region that he was over, he would always stop nearby, at a, typically at a gas station, um, and he would walk in, I'm not sure if bishops were really supposed to do this, he'd almost lie, like he didn't know he was where he was going, and he, so he'd walk into the gas station or some sort of convenience store um, and ask for directions. He'd be like, I'm trying to get to First Church, whatever, um, and he would be like, can you tell me how to get there? And um, he would begin to kind of do his like market research of sorts of what kind of impact this church was having in the community of the clerk at the convenience store could say, oh yeah, it's just two blocks over, make a right, it'll be, you know, the church with the, in the sign out front or the, the big white column or whatever it might be. Um, if, you know, he would then kind of make a mental note if they struggled, um, you know, maybe it's not always the church's fault. They struggled to kind of be like, oh, I don't know where that is. I've never heard of that church. Um, and so I want to start us with a similar question today um, is if Horizon ceased to exist today, would anyone notice? If the church ceased to exist today, would anyone notice? So back in 2019, and I hope the statistics are a little bit better, but I wouldn't be surprised if they've even declined since then. Barna, which is a big church kind of research group, um, does a lot of studies. Um, back in the end of 2019, they put out a report that 27% non-Christian adults, only 27% believe the church was making any difference in the world. Only 27% of 
who's that stat? The answer to our question is no. Not many people will notice the church stopped existing today. So how do we move the needle on that? How do we move it to that the answer is yes, and not just yes, but a resounding yes, that folks would miss the work of the church, would miss the impact that the church So we are, are reading through the book of Romans, or Romans 12 specifically through this series. And so we're going to start off here today with Romans 12, verse 3. And it says, well, so the, the, the subtitle of this section is actually Humble Service in the Body of Christ. So verse 3 here is, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. But rather, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For by the grace given, by the grace given. Early on uh, as a pastor, I served actually as a student pastor for a little while uh, at a very rural North Carolina church. It was about 35 miles outside of kind of like the Raleigh-Durham area, south of Chapel Hill. And it was a small church. It was the classic uh, country church with the, the white wood siding, a uh, little cemetery out front. And I, and I served this church as um, the church was kind of end, getting towards the end of its life cycle. The neighborhood surrounding was, was changing a little bit. Um, the, the suburbs were beginning to push into this rural area. And a lot, a lot of the members you know, were just aging and, and it was declining. And so I, I served this church, and one of the, the kind of the last remaining patriarchs of the church uh, was a man named Vernon. And I don't even really remember exactly how old Vernon was, but I had to imagine he was at least in his 80s. And Vernon was, a, was an interesting character in that he, um, at this point, had lost uh, most of his eyesight. He was, for the mo most part, really functionally blind. Um, but yet somehow he still, as the, uh, his, his trade um, that really kept the church afloat financially was, he was a knife sharpener. And so he sharpened, I don't know how they, okay, this is a whole other story. How someone blind also sharpens knives. But he, does, he did it. He like still practiced, he had a whole shop at the back of his house that he sharpened all sorts of knives. And there was a nearby like poultry um, processing plant. And he sharpened every knife for the processing plant um, as this, 80-year-old blind man, and so you can't make these things up when you're in the rural church. Like These are the kind of characters you run into. Um, and so I got to know Vernon really well that summer. I spent a lot of days on his porch talking to him, um, and early on in, our, in our, one of our conversations, and we were sitting on the porch looking out uh, at his uh, plum trees um, and his fig trees and his plants out there, and uh, he, he pauses for a moment and he goes, you remember that day Michael Jackson died? And I'm like, oh my goodness, like I, I'm like bracing myself for like what potentially racist or like homophobic thing might be coming next. Like I, I mean, I, I completely was judging what might be coming. And he goes, you know, my TV died that same day and I haven't gotten to watch the news. But it was in that moment I got to begin to see his heart. And Vernon, he could tell me stories. We could walk into the church and he would point down to some of the floorboards of wood. And he'd say, you see that spot right there? You see that there's a little bit of a thread still right there on that 
that board in between the two of them? Well, I was nailing that board when we built this church, and I caught my sleeve in it, and I had to rip it out. And see, it's missing still right there. You can see that thread sticking up. That's from my shirt. And he sang in the choir, and he led the church, and he still faithfully gave, up until he could actually still see to mow the grass. He tended to the cemetery up front. He had done so many good things. But yet, as he was aging, he began to be fearful of what he couldn't do. Now, as he had to rely on other people to, to get him to church every Sunday, So I want to read you from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, starting at verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not from yourself. It is a gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us to do, prepared in advance for us to do. you to practice that same forgiveness in the world. 
I have loved you, so I want you to love the world in that same way. And we, I think we often, it's kind of typically up and to the right people. We think the goal is to get our butts in a seat or in a pew on Sunday mornings, spend an hour here. We think the goal sometimes can be just opening the Bible and, and reading through and checking off that I did that today. God tells us the goal is not just getting your butt here on Sunday mornings for an hour or open up the Bible. It's about being moral changers. The goal is to love God, love people, and awaken a movement that shines light and ignites change. What we believe about Jesus comes out and the good things that we do for God. They will know So where do we begin? Where do we begin today if we are to be the church that are that is about four good things? I think the question really is not where do we begin, but it's who do we begin with? Who do we begin with? Who does it start with? And it starts with you. Something about it. 
And I think if, if I really asked them that question, like, what are you going to do? They would have probably given me some answers like this. Well, I can't do anything. Like, I'm just me. Like, I'm just one person. You know, I don't have the time. We've got travel volleyball for the next seven days in a row. Or, you know, I don't have any money to give to this, to do this. You know, i got to pay for college. I've got to pay for our boat and our vacation home. And we just renovated our bathroom. Like, I just, I don't have any money to, like, do this. Or, you know, they would just say something like, well, I just want to make sure somebody's doing something about it. And we forget that, that we are the church, that we actually can do these things. You are the church. I want to close here today talking a little bit about that God has prepared in advance for us to do And these things that, that God has prepared for us, they don't come from us. They have a, a divine origin to them. And oftentimes these things, they may not be huge things. The things that God calls us to most likely probably will never make the news. They might just affect one person, one family. And they might just They seem to find us. They seem to find us. And so I've got three questions I want to end with today. I think it helps us discover what these things are in our lives, what these good things are. First is, what's the need? We begin to see the world when we discover that it's not always about just us, that there are needs in the world. And the second thing is, what moves you? You've now seen that there's a need. Is that is there that passion? Because that's really what was going on when these people would come to me and ask, you know, what's the church doing about it? Is that they saw a need and it moved them. It moved them to do something. But they didn't yet, they didn't feel free to be the church in the world. And that's what we're about, about shining light and guiding change. And the third question, this is really, I think, what separates it, is what do you have? What time do you have to give? What talents do you have to offer? What do you have to share? And when we begin to ask these three things, it's then that God begins to reveal those things that are prepared for us. Because we are created for good things. I, I have the privilege each Wednesday to, to go and serve at Shermonte Elementary School and uh, there's two stories I, I want to tell you about today. Um, the first, um, you'll hear a little bit more about this later directly from her, um, uh, from Sasha. And Sasha is, is a mother, uh, a wife, um, also has gone back to school and still takes the time each Wednesday to be a mentor to students at Sheremonte Elementary School. Because she's, her 
heard about the need here that we were partnering with Shermanti. She heard about the need. And she was moved to make a difference because she saw that going back to school to be a lawyer intersected with some of the systematic challenges that these students were facing each day. And she wanted to be a part of that work on the ground right now. And what she have? She had enough time in her day to make it work. She offered herself, her gifts, her passions to these students. And I have to say now she's also officially the coolest uh, lunch buddy of everyone. She's put us all to shame because <laughs> she has a she has some uh, baby chicks that I guess are growing now a little bit. And so if you want to be the coolest lunch buddy, bring I think three chickens to to an elementary school with a bunch of fourth and fifth graders. And now you're officially the coolest lunch buddy. Um, so I can't even top that. She offered what she had. And the difference that she makes, those kids are now excited about being there at school because they get to talk to Sasha at lunch. And they know who she is, and they look forward to seeing her. For kids that are struggling with absenteeism, it's giving them a reason to want their parents to make sure that they're at school. The second story from Sharamonte that I, I want to share is from, uh, from Data. And Data is the, the cool grandma at, at Lunch Buddies. She innately listens to the kids, for sure. Uh, well, the, the thing that she does that makes her special with her the students she works with, is she always brings a stack of uh, trivia cards with her. And uh, they play a little trivia game that keeps them engaged, has conversations, I guess it has an educational component to it as well. Um, and so, the thing that really stands out to me is, is that she pays attention to what they actually like. You know, some of us uh, want to be a little more health conscious at times, but she'll go out of her way to find like hot and spicy Cheetos as like treats for who wins trivia that day. Uh, I think she went last year to like three or four different like gas station convenience stores to find some specific candy that they had requested. She offered what she had, she saw a need. She was moved to do it, and she offered up what she had. We were created for good things to make a difference. So if the church disappeared today, would anyone notice? We just, if Verizon disappeared today, would anyone notice? change the question a little bit because I think we still think about the church as a building or an hour on Sundays. But if, if you disappeared today, outside of your family and your close circle of friends, would anyone notice that you were missing if you disappeared today? Would anyone in South Tampa, would anyone in Tampa notice you were missing? Because you are the church. You Almighty God, Heavenly Father, thank you for your love even when we run from it. Thank you for your patience. We don't always deserve it. Thank you for your forgiveness and your grace. 
can do anything to win your love, you just do. You love us like a parent, like a father, like a mother. God, today, help us to have new vision, to have clear eyes for the ways that you are already at work in our life and in our world. Help us to see the needs that are around us. Move our hearts and fill it with compassion and forgiveness. And give us the courage to use our hands and feet to move. Because you are already at work there. Your spirit is calling us to leave the walls of this place, to make your name known. where you come 
from where you're going on this journey. You are welcome here.